Steve Winner Classics. Today we're going to be talking about You Haven't Done Nothing from the album for Felina's first finale. Um, it was released on the 22nd of July 1974, um, although it was then also released as a single on the 7th of August 1974, and two days later, President Nixon resigned. Um, and as I've mentioned on previous episodes, I feel like Stevie Wonder um, forced the resignation of President Nixon by releasing this as a single. Um, but, you know, we'll get into that. Uh, on the track, it is Stevie Wonder. We've got Reggie McBride on bass. And <laughs> coming in for some doo-wop backing vocals, we have the Jackson 5. Um, there's also some horns on there, but there's no identification of who is playing those horns. Um, so I'm not quite sure if it's uh, people who've previously played horns that are doing like the, the horns on this, but I couldn't find anywhere that told me who was playing those. The track is 329 and joining me to talk about today is Erica Thompson. Hello, Erica. Hello. Let's talk about the funny thing that this is obviously about <laughs> Richard Nixon. Um, it's, you know, it's the second time that Stevie has taken uh, a kind of direct shot at, at Richard Nixon after um, he's Mr. Know-it-all. Um, although I'd argue there's at least two or three other songs that are kind of about the state of America um, under Nixon, and they kind of make oblique references to Nixon uh, by occasionally saying him or they or something, you know, kind of referencing the government. Um, but this is really only the kind of one or two that are directly aimed at him. Um, and then, of course, after it was released, uh, President Nixon resigned. Uh, it was a number one hit. <laughs> and then I think on some of the like kind of the different... Um, award ceremonies of the following year as with various Grammys and, and kind of other awards and stuff like that. Um, Stevie, this tended to be the song that Stevie Wonder performed from this album. Um, you know, there are quite a few performances of him playing it. Um, there's one, I can't, I couldn't identify what like ceremony it was, uh, but he involves the audience and he's telling everybody in the audience to clap their hands and they're all singing along. And I'm like, I, you know, I just don't see this at award ceremonies anymore. You just don't see someone coming out and getting the audience involved uh clearly it, like it's an audience with musicians in because the musicians are kind of clapping in time and singing in time so i'm like i wish more people would do that i wish there'd be more kind of like ceremonies where people just come out and play a song and everybody's kind of in the audience sings along quite happily and um you know so i'm not quite sure which award ceremony that was but uh you know stevie performed at quite a few you know in the the kind of year uh, after this album was released, like I said, as it won kind of various awards, the, the, you know, there's this this whole thing of like how angry he is at, um, at Richard Nixon. And it's it's kind of it's kind of amazing because like, um, you know, the particularly the way he sings the words, you haven't done nothing. And just the way he kind of goes in, like does his little Stevie growl. And I, it's just, I don't know, it's just so, I love, I just love this song so much. And it's just kind of hard to put it into words like how great it is if people aren't listening to it. I'm going to assume people are listening to these songs uh, while, while listening to these episodes. But it's just such a great, like just the kind of anger of like, you know, we're sick or tired of hearing your song telling, telling how you are going to change right from wrong. It's like, 
you know, um, it's kind of about as direct as, as he can get about how kind of angry he is. And, uh, you know, it, and it's very rare that Stevie Wonder is like ever angry. On most of these albums, he's either in love or he's kind of melancholic or occasionally he's like a tiny bit downbeat, but he's never really that angry. Um, you know, I'd say probably like this and Living for the City and He's Mr. Know-It-All. Those are probably like the three angriest songs that he's got. And even He's Mr. Know-It-All is fairly kind of like mild in its delivery. Um, you know, this is kind of probably one of the few times where you like you hear the anger in Stevie's voice when he's singing these lines. Um, and of course, in the live performance, he still seems really happy. But, you know, that's just that's just Stevie's demeanor. So it's it's hard for him to kind of kind of outwardly be angry. But in the lyrics, you kind of you get a taste of the anger. Yeah, I so the Nick, the Nixon thing is interesting. And I read a few years ago um, one of his biographies by uh, Mark Rabowski, signed, sealed and delivered the soulful journey of Stevie Wonder. And they say that Big Brother is also supposed to be about Richard Nixon. So he does have, like you said, a few songs where he's targeting him directly. And the funny thing about it is, you know, there were periods where Stevie met Nixon and had to be like in the same room with him and was honored by him. So like in 1969, he received a distinguished service award uh, from Nixon. And the biography is like, you know, Stevie is just like standing there, just like gritting his teeth because he doesn't like him. So, I mean, I don't know, you know, how true that is, but it's coming from this biographer. But, um, you know, obviously he was concerned with this president, as a lot of folks were. And we're recording recording this episode in September. So we're talking about impeachment inquiry here in the US. So this is perfect timing to do this episode. But this is one of my favorite songs because it's just that groove. Like I just think it's like a nasty groove with that bass and the drum programming. And speaking of the horns, I read that it was keyboard horn programming. So Again, I don't. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what I read. I I don't know how we can get confirmation on that, but I think it's just all Stevie doing that and all of the percussion as well. Yeah, like uh, it's just that because it, it sound they sound like real horns. Yeah, they do. So if it is like if it is synthesized horns, then that's a really good synthesizer. Um, you know, uh, but I I mean like it doesn't sound like the clavinet and it doesn't sound like the 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 arp. So, which were, you know, the kind of the main synthesizers using it. It doesn't even sound like a Moog. So I don't know. But yeah, and like you say, that bass that, that kind of Reggie McBride is bringing. And this is like one of the few tracks on this album that just doesn't have the Moog bass, which was, you know, there's a very specific kind of bass sound that is on the Moog. And that's something that Stevie plays on pretty, I think all the other tracks basically have the Moog bass. This is the only track that doesn't have a Moog bass. It has an actual bassist. And I think that does kind of make the difference in terms of the production. Um, but like you say, it is just like the kind of the way that the kind of the the, um, the chords are played and just the way that it is in that kind of groove is just kind of amazing. And you talked about um, his vocal delivery. I love like how he'll stretch some lines. Like I think he said, you brought this upon yourself. <laughs> I just love yeah. the way he does that. I love like Stevie's vocal choices too. It always makes me chuckle a little bit. But um, you mentioned before Jackson 5 being on the backup vocals. And I love, I just like, 
I don't know exactly how these things happen, but if you could just picture Motown and like people recording, and I maybe this did actually happen now that I think of it, where like someone's in one studio or someone's in the building and you're like, come here and put these vocals on. And it's just so cool to think of Jackson 5 singing on this. And then if you go further to later to All I Do, where he has Michael Jackson singing back up for him, that's just, just something really cool uh, uh, to, to think about that, like all these super famous, super talented people helping each other out. Yeah. And, and the thing is, of course, you know, obviously Stevie... Uh, he had an issue with Motown. Um, I mean, he didn't really have an issue. Like, obviously, his contract was about to finish, and so you know he managed to get a better contract. Uh, obviously, the you know the 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 Jackson Five had a bit of an issue, kind of just after this album came out, because the following year they they basically didn't want to be with Motown, and obviously they they kind of like left and got a, a better contract from like Epic. And, you know, from that point on, they could only call themselves the Jacksons, not Jackson 5, which I just find so kind of funny and petty, like, uh, you know, the Motown kept the number five. Um, but yeah, so it's 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 kind of it's kind of funny that like this is probably one of the like, kind of last things that they did on Motown as the Jackson 5, um, you know, because I, I don't think they released anything in like 74 and by 75, they'd kind of left Motown. So this might be like their final appearance for Motown. Um, as backing vocalists for Stevie. Although he does actually, unlike some other kind of like famous backing vocalists that he's had on some of these other songs, um, you know, he does actually call them out and does say Jackson 5 um, joined along with me. And I just I, I just love the fact that kind of at that moment, as you're listening to the song, you're like, did he just say Jackson 5? And then obviously you hear them singing and you're like, oh yeah, that's the Jackson 5 just doing... And they literally do nothing other than sing doo wop That's all they sing. And, you know, it's and and it's kind of a call and response with with Stevie kind of putting his own little kind of extra lines in there. And, and I don't know, it's just great. They 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 kind of they obviously come back in for the, you know, for the outro, um, but just like kind of coming in halfway through and just having the Jackson five there is, is such a kind of like a, a great touch. Yeah. Um, you know what you it know. reminds me of? It reminds me of Rick James, Super Freak and the Temptations mm-hmm. singing the backup. And he screams out, "Temptation, <laughs> yeah. sing!" <laughs> it just reminds yeah. me of that. And again, it's it's Motown artists, so it's it's really yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. I I just I just love this this kind of thing of like these artists being so kind of uh, you know powerful that they're just able to be like, okay, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have like probably one of the best vocal groups in the world just come in and do some backing vocals and they're not none of them are going to even like they're not even going to get to do like backing vocals like you know denise williams or minnie ripperton are doing on this album they're just going to literally do like the words doo wop and that's literally all they're going to sing um and it's just such a it's such a wonderful kind of thing uh, they did also perform this song with him a couple of times live as well uh, which is always funny when he's like halfway through the song and, and suddenly the jackson five emerge from one side and just start singing and i, I don't know it's 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 kind of crazy uh, but yeah, I mean, like you say, the kind of the choice of delivery of the lines is, is always the kind of like I love the little kind of growls when he's, he kind of goes down to his lower register for, you know, you haven't done nothing. Uh, but like you say, like the holding on to the word for yourself, um, but just also like the kind of the lyrics as well. Like, you know, something I've talked about with, with kind of some of the Stevie lyrics before this is, you know, he he has kind of like a very simple lyrical style. Um, you know, he like a lot of his kind of songs that are more complex generally have somebody co-writing with him. Um, so the stuff that he wrote with like Cyrita or Yvonne Wright or, you know, like, so when somebody else kind of comes on board and, and writes stuff with Stevie, things tend to get a little bit more kind of like complicated. Um, whereas here, I think that kind of the directness of the lyrics is the thing that really helps it, you know, 
Um, and just kind of the turns of phrase, like, you know, we are amazed but not amused. It's just such a really, you know, just a great kind of line. Um, and, and you know, after he does do that, you're, that kind of nice high pitch yourself, he says, the world is tired of pacifiers. And it's, <laughs> it's like, uh, it, it just kind of makes it clear, like, that Stevie isn't, like, he isn't happy and he is kind of angry. Um you know, but I, I do. I, I mean, I do kind of like the somehow sometimes the, the anger is a little bit muted. Like it's not too cool to be ridiculed is like, mm, OK, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it's not like the sharpest of jabs, you know, like and the, but you brought this upon yourself. Like you say, like like it, that's a bit sharper. But the fact that he's like, it's not too cool to be ridiculed is a little bit kind of like a, a weaker line. Um, but yeah, and I, uh, the chorus is just so great. And like, like just on the kind of the outro as well, just having the Jackson Five come back in, and he keeps kind of, you know, kind of adding those little ad libs, which is, you know, my favorite little thing is kind of Stevie talk, where he just kind of, as people are singing stuff, he just kind of adds his own little um, kind of bits and pieces here and there, um, you know. And I mean, I I think the thing is obviously at this particular moment in time, uh, like the third verse where he says, "We would not care to wake up to the nightmare that's becoming real life." I mean. It's just a little bit too kind of close to what's going on at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. I wonder, like, this is where I get jealous of folks who lived through this in real time. Because I, like, as you said, I mean, Nixon resigned two days after this came out. And I wonder what is it like, you know, just riding around hearing this on the radio? And, you know, did folks, like, use this song in media as they were talking about Nixon. I don't know. Like, I don't have that context because I wasn't around at that time. So that's where I get jealous of folks like my mom who lived, who lived through <laughs> this. Um, but the, it is pretty cool. Um, and I think as well, you know, I mean, I, I kind of joke that, you know, it was released and then two days later, Nixon resigned. Obviously, the song itself was on the album on the 22nd of July. And I yeah. think he, he started performing it before that anyway. So it was around for a little while. Um, you know, it's not just all of a sudden Nixon heard the song, you know, was kind of in the charts and then decided to, I mean, he actually resigned two days after it was released. If he'd have, re if he'd have resigned like a week after it was released and it was already number one, then, you know, maybe I could attribute it to Stevie, but I think it's just a kind of a nice, it's a funny coincidence, um, that I just kind of love. Um, but yeah, I mean, also, I mean, I said this like a couple of years ago on Facebook to someone, I was like all of, you know all of Stevie's Nixon songs apply to the current president. Like there's every single thing that's in them, you know, it's, it's not like he ever, like his anger was kind of, you know, more general. So like just the fact that he's kind of, you know, just calling someone he's Mr. Know-it-all and, you know, basically talking about a con man. Like, I, I mean, again, I feel like that's something that could probably apply to more presidents, but it just feels very prescient in these particular times. Um, you know, that any song Stevie sung about Nixon could easily be applied to Trump. Um, and, you know, maybe that's just because, you know, politicians will be corrupt. And <laughs> so it's an evergreen topic. Um, but yeah, it's just such a perfect song. Um, you know, like just every part of it is so well done. Like the production, the lyrics, you know, having the Jacksons come in, like every, every part of it is so well done. Um, and, you know, I would have to say six out of five, you know, it's, uh, I just like, it's it's such a it's such a good song. This I, I mean, fulfilling this is probably out of the out of the first three albums, you know, between Talking Book and Invisions and this. This is probably my favorite album just because the songs, you know, Stevie's matured so much. Obviously, he's still like in his mid twenties, <laughs> um, but he's matured so much from like music of my mind and stuff. So 
you know, the overall kind of programming of the album, like the, this, this is the choice to open the second side is like such a, you know, such a kind of bold step. Like, you know, if you're listening to the vinyl and you turn it over and this is, this is a start of side two. Um, and from this point on, you know, for the rest of the album, like, you know, it ain't no use and they won't go when I go bird of beauty, please. Like literally that's five tracks, one after the other, who that are just perfectly like the order is so good. Um, you know, there's a kind of lot of anger in this and then it's kind of, you know, it ain't no use is a, a bit more kind of mellow and then they won't go when I go is a bit darker. And so like just the way that he, he kind of knows how to put an album together by this point is it's kind of amazing. Like just all these 10 songs in this order, it just works so well when you're listening to it. Um, you know, it's one of those albums where if I listen to it, I deliberately turn off shuffle because I'm like, I don't want it to be mixed up in the wrong order. <laughs> I want to make sure it's, you know, the order that Stevie's picked is pretty much the right order. And this is such a great way to like open the second side of an album. Um, you know, such a kind of like bold song and you, and you know, straight away, it kind of, it's clear why this is, you know, this one, you know, album of the year at, at the Grammys and you're like, well, I understand why, cause it is an album of, you know, a year. Like this is like 10 songs that are so well put together. Yeah. It's funny how, um, sometimes our parents tastes can kind of dictate our tastes. Um, so yeah, I agree with you. I, well, I would give it a five out of five. It's, it's, it's just great. There are no flaws in the song. But I remember growing up, and I still have the CD that my mom used to play, but um, we would listen to Heaven is Ten Zillion Light Years Away and Boogie on Reggae Woman and They Won't Go When I Go and Please Don't Go. And those were kind of like the only songs my mom would listen to on this album. So those are all the songs that I knew until I got a little bit older and just listened to the whole thing for myself. And I remember getting to You Haven't Done Nothing and I was like, whoa, <laughs> like my mind was just blown just like just by that groove on the song. So um, it's kind of funny how I came upon it later. But I, you know, I absolutely adore this song. I mean, why why was your mom skipping over creeping? I, mean, I don't know. I know. Exactly. I mean, about I'm that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to argue with like heaven and, and, and boogie on reggae woman. Like those are two great songs. Um, and obviously, I'd say too shy to say is, you know, a kind of I wouldn't say filler, but it's it's not as on the same level as those two songs. But I can't understand jumping over creeping. I mean, that's like that's such a <laughs> such a good song. It's I know. like, I you know, I, I yeah, it's I, I don't know. It's and I think creeping as well. Uh, no, they won't go when I go. Is the final use of the tonto. Um, but yeah, it's like you know, it's such a. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. I guess your mom must have had something against Minnie Ripperton or something. I don't know what's going on with that. Like it's. Um, well, I don't feel there's anything else to say about you haven't done nothing. Uh, so let's go to plugs. Is there anything you wish to plug, Erica? Yeah. So um, I know more about Prince than I do about Stevie Wonder, and I write about Prince at a Purple Day in December dot com. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Miss M I S S underscore e thompson and you can find us at uh, stevie by wonder on twitter for this particular project thank you for being my guest here today Eric. thank you and otherwise goodbye